podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Before we get into today's show, just want to promote the fact that Son of Chelsea has been nominated as a finalist in this year's Football Content Awards taking place at Anfield this November. We have been nominated in the Best Premier League Club Content Creator category and you can vote for Son of Chelsea by two ways. Go to footballcontentawards.com slash voting. Scroll down to the correct category, use the drop down menu and you can vote for Son of Chelsea there. Or you can go to the Football Content Awards official Instagram page, find the category post and tag at Son of Chelsea below and that also counts as a vote towards us. Thank you for all the support on the channel. It's really humbling and the continued support on the content and the interactions, it's really appreciated. This feels like the culmination of a lot of work. If you can share this, if you can vote, it'd be greatly appreciated. Appreciated. Thank you. Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Childs back here again for another show. Hope you're doing this is my rational perspective on beating Burnley 4-1 away from home the, the the wins are coming now and it's it's very very enjoyable to be watching Chelsea play this well to feel that the the team is starting to click some of those players who we felt played really well in pre-season or at least the likes of Nicholas Jackson or ones we bought over the summer like Cole Palmer there's it's very easy to to kind of just look at the positives right now and and, and go overboard about that but I do think there is a lot to be optimistic about I was concerned in the first half I'm sure like a lot of you given how Burnley went 1-0 up and just that sense before we got the equaliser before half time that it's a low block Chelsea going to struggle to break them down here that in itself you know was a concern but I think once we got into the game I spoke about this in my preview yesterday once Chelsea started to find those gaps in the and, and individual performances which we'll get to that really changed the momentum of the game it turned out to be a really really dominant performance from Chelsea please hit that like button please hit that subscribe button please share the stream if you're listening later on the podcast thank you for tuning in give the podcast a five-star review it really does help out so we're going to go into all of it vote in the poll on the live stream if you are watching live I've put up a poll for it um who you think man of the match should be. I've only given three options uh, because to me, I, I think there are three options and I even think adding a third is maybe a little bit kind. But we're going for Raheem Sterling, Cole Palmer or Moises Casado. I think Casado deserves a shout today because I thought it was a really accomplished performance in central midfield from him. We could put Conor Gallagher in there as well. We gave him praise the other night and he actually won the poll the other night. But I think Sterling and Palmer for me are the clear front two today for obvious reasons. Uh, but please do vote, vote in that poll and let me know your, your feelings. And later on in the stream, we'll go back to the poll and we'll see what, what you're thinking about who should be given man of the match. But... We're going to go into the starting 11 um, in terms of this team. It, I like the fact that Poch could stay almost identical to the team that played against Fulham. I'm, you know, even if he did make a change at half time, even if uh, some of these performances in the first half weren't that brilliant. I like the fact that he's trying to keep a core group of players together, especially in midfield. I like the fact we saw Caicedo, who was fit to go. Uh, Gallagher and Fernando's playing that midfield three. I, I really like the look of that midfield three. Now it's, I think it's combining well. It's got a nice balance to it. 
Raheem Sterling was obviously, I think, the big addition to this game. More of a surprise because we spoke, I, I think the, the big thing we were talking about pre-game was Nicholas Jackson or Amanda Breuer. Obviously, that was still a big decision, but also... To see Sterling come back into the team, I'm sure a lot of people raised eyebrows. When I saw it, I didn't get that outraged because I, I could only assume that it's a fitness thing. And given the fact that Mudrick came off at halftime against Fulham, people need to wonder, like, we can talk as much as we want about player performances. And I want to see Mudrick do well. I, I really do. And I think that even coming off the bench quite late when the game was effectively dead, he, he still looked very aggressive. But... We talk about injuries a lot. People moan about injuries. They moan about the club not ham handling players well, especially returning from injury or like making sure that players are fit. I don't think you can go at Pochettino or the medical staff, whoever it was that made the decision. I'm sure Poch was the, the one who made the decision, obviously, in, in, in the final moment to, to give Raheem Sterling the start. Or it may have been a tactical one as well, because when you actually look at the way the game played out, it was a very, very good one for Pochettino to, to start Raheem Sterling. And I think there also is a, you know, a mentality thing and a competitive thing that I think helped Raheem Sterling today that I'll get into. But we can't go overboard if it means that Mudrik is okay and for the international break, we aren't going in with another player breaking down. That's, I think, a positive, right? We we had Kani Chukameka back in the matchday squad. That's amazing. We've got Reese the international break we've got Malo Gusto of course not injured suspended but we'll be back after the international break so you know I, I don't I don't think we should go overboard and I think this, the performance we saw from Raheem Sterling today was exactly the type of response I want from players within this squad when they're not playing and especially from Sterling showing the quality that he has and has had for most of his career within the Premier League and uh, you want the fact that when say Mudrick comes in and takes his opportunity rather than Sterling or whoever isn't in the team sort of maybe sulking or feeling like they're out of it they come in they take their opportunity and that that's what Sterling did I feel that obviously the first half wasn't good um, even though Chelsea went into the break uh, level with Burnley and I actually don't think it was unjustified that Chelsea were level. It wasn't like Burnley dominated us. I think the biggest frustration was that their goal, you know, their goal in that first half came from their one serious attack of the half. And early on, I was thinking that Levi at left back, the attacking improvement really some natural left back positions that I, I thought was going to help Chelsea break down Burnley early on. But the counter-attacking goal, I mean, it just it just wasn't good from a Chelsea point of view. I, I felt that there were several several players, especially once Foster cut inside uh, from, the, from the right, sort of going to the left um, before setting up the scorer. It was, it, I'm looking at the Zassi there. I'm looking at Thiago Silva's lack of speed. I'm looking at Levi's positioning too. I think he was exposed there. And then I guess, you know, if you're really harsh on Kukurea, and I think it's fair to be, if we're just looking at the goal, I felt that he just, his body positioning was all wrong. I mean, that that's probably a sign that, you know, you're playing out of position. Um, I think he just, he allowed the angle to be too easy um, to go at Robert Sanchez's goal personally. I just thought it was a poor goal all round defensively. And um, it sets you back because I felt the first few minutes of the game, Chelsea were actually looking very quite dominant with the ball at their feet. They looked like they were going to try and create opportunities. And um, I think it obviously lifted the, the spirits of the, the, the tur Turf Moor crowd. Um, and it just, you know, you, you were really concerned then because 
we said this yesterday, Burnley under um, Vincent Company are a good footballing team. I think they showed it during periods today. I think in the end, their quality, their lack of quality in that aspect was capitalised on in quite a ruthless manner in the second half. But when they got into their flow, it was quite obvious that they they, they started to feel confident and um, they were also sitting back quite a bit and I was, I was getting concerned of how Chelsea were going to break them down. I felt that the my biggest frustration in the first half, before we get to the Sterling goal, and then we're basically going to go to positives for the rest of this review, as you'd probably expect, given uh, the way this game ended up being very comfortable for Chelsea. I do feel with, um, for me in that first half, just the lack of shots at goal was my big frustration. There are a few times where Chelsea won the ball actually high up, the pitch um, against Burnley at pressing them well or there were moments when a player got into a really promising position and just decided I'm not taking a shot it just really irritated me because uh, I didn't see the justification for it, it, it it's things that we that have annoyed us about this Chelsea team in recent times and you know it's it's something that I, I don't want to see consistently I think as I say at, at the end of the day we've scored four really going to moan about that um it was just something to, to pick out because i just especially there was one moment when we really wanted quite high from a from a goal kick a burnley goal kick uh that trafford i think had given away and the to conor gallagher and it's like either gallagher has to shoot or we need to be quicker and just get a shot away and the fact that we didn't in that situation really irritated me and i was like is it going to be this kind of slow build up where we're we're going to be missing chances we're going to be missing chances to to break down burnley but it was raheem sterling really who set off the comeback and changed the game by himself today and i didn't think he had the best start to the game uh there was a looped ball over that he, he could have taken down i could have um, and there were a few moments where I was a little bit concerned it, we weren't going to get the best of Sterling, but he kept on taking Roberts on on that right. And I spoke about the left side of Burnley, or the left side of our attack, right side of Burnley's defence being something that Chelsea could very much exploit today. And I thought it was going to be Mikhailo Mudrik, but it was Raheem Sterling. The fact that he kept on going to the byline against his fullback, I thought was brilliant. Um, it's it's what. I think we have so lacked in a wide player at Chelsea in recent years, just seeing wide players actually fullbacks and actually take them on. You get the ball in a wide area, you wait a little bit, you stall, and then you pass the ball back to either a fullback or a midfielder, and we recycle possession. It, it, it kind of becomes, you know, a little bit repetitive, slow, and I feel Sterling's capability today to, to realise that he had the beating of his man and can get down that flank and could make problems for Burnley, I thought was was wonderful to see. It's an own goal that gets us back in the game. It was interesting. I was uh, replying to Tom Canton, who's an Arsenal fan. He covers Arsenal and he was getting annoyed at Tottenham. Tottenham are getting a lot of praise because of their strong start to the season. And, and he was sort of saying that... Um, the problem with 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 Tottenham is that they they're so lucky, and I guess in some ways maybe they are. But it's like I think that usually, for me, like if you're a creative team, if you're putting the ball into dangerous areas, if you're doing good things consistently, I think sometimes you make that fortune. I think sometimes if you put a defense under enough pressure, you force those mistakes. Yeah, nine times out of ten, that deflection from the Sterling cross probably goes over the bar or probably doesn't go anywhere. This time, luckily, it goes in the back of the net. But 
I, I think it's about creating those opportunities. It's putting the ball into areas where you are forcing defenders to make difficult decisions that creates that confusion. That's what led to the equaliser. And um, it put Chelsea on a, on a good footing. It really did because, you know, going 1-0 down at halftime, you, you start to worry that the game will turn. And literally, at the start of the second half, Sterling does the same thing again. It's a little bit of concern that VAR was going to come in and go, actually, that's not a penalty. But trick stuff from Raheem Sterling. Things that we just did not see from him at Chelsea last season. I know he spoke very early on this season about a change in diet, a change of approach, you know, feeling that he was the fittest he's been in years. I know some people can sort of roll their eyes about that because you do hear that a lot from footballers at the start of the season, but he genuinely does look like a different player with under Pochettino. Um, I know down weeks, you know, he had a really, really good start to the season where he looked like our best player. But then, you know, Mudrik has come back into the side, you know, and he, he's taken his opportunity. It's nice that when Sterling came back into the side, he's taken his opportunity. This is the healthy competition you want. And I think it will get to the striker situation. I think it's the same case today. You want to see those players that are coming in and rotating offer a level of quality and performance that, you know, gives you that healthy competition rather than going, well, we've got several options here. We keep on rotating them but neither of them are playing well. So what do we do? Like, that's not the situation it is this season. And I think that's really positive. And it was nice to see that Cole Palmer gets to take a penalty. I was like, who's taking the penalty? Because, of course, Jorginho's no longer there. Mason Mount's no longer there. Um, I guess some people will still be sort of turning around and going, why doesn't Nicholas Jackson, why doesn't the centre forward take that penalty? But for Cole Palmer, it's, it was such a nice moment for him. Uh, to finally get his first Chelsea goal. And it's been an incredible few few weeks for him, really, um, after signing for Man City. When you think about his involvement against Brighton, his first start for Chelsea, where he sets up the winner for Nicholas Jackson, that's an assist. He assists Armando Breuer's goal against Fulham, has another promising display. And then today, he not only scores his first Chelsea goal, he sets up final goal today for Nicholas Jackson uh Cole Palmer is just looking very very influential and even if he is starting as a right winger he is popping up across the pitch that there's a sense that he can very much uh be quite fluid in that area and he's just involved like wherever he is on the pitch he's in some of Chelsea's best play and uh obviously making it 2-1 the game kind of flips at that point because I think psychologically Chelsea then can maybe sit a little bit deeper and start to hit them on the counter a little bit more um, I, I think that for me, from from that point, I was starting to think with the speed we have, and I was starting to look at the bench and going, okay, is Mudrick going to come on at this point? Can we get a third, especially Nicholas Jackson, too, a more fresh Nicholas Jackson? Burnley, I felt physically too, were kind of dominated as the game went on. It's nice to actually look at Chelsea this season and say we can kind of outmuscle a team because that was another big problem last season. We could barely outmuscle teams consistently. I think we have that right now. And uh, I think there are there are parts to our team that are a lot more physical, a lot more durable. And that in itself, just an, as an intangible thing I'm seeing so far this season is good. And, and it shows uh, you need that in the Premier League. You need to be able... You, it's not just about playing nice football and uh, technically good players. You need physically good players in the Premier League. And I, I think that's what Chelsea in the squad balance this year have a lot more of that that we just either maybe had last season and the players just weren't performing to that. Whatever Pochettino has done, it feels like Chelsea can very much outwork and outmuscle you. And um, I, I think they just overwhelmed Burnley, who aren't the team they used to be. Um, and the third goal, I think, is of the, of the game, in my opinion. I've got to give credit to Moises Casado 
pressing, getting forward, harrying. That's kind of one of those trademark things we wanted from Moises Casado when we signed him. And his involvement in the third goal cannot be underrated. You look at his involvement in the first goal against Fulham. This is a guy who not only defensively in a midfield sense is going to be important for Chelsea covering ground, um, very much intercepting moments of danger. But also we've seen already his ability, as he did for Brighton, to help um, very much affect Jackson. Just the first touch from Sterling was brilliant. The confidence to take it out of his feet and then put it across the, the goal was was wonderful too. And um, just very much this game into kind of a scrappy one into a very nice one for Chelsea. I thought the fourth goal, I mean, Jackson was doing growth turns. You know, he was he was having a, a lovely time out there. He, he enjoyed his afternoon in, in uh, Lancashire. And, you know, I, I thought that the, the goal itself was just what one of the things that really inspired me over preseason watching Nicholas Jackson was his his footwork in very tight areas. Um, it's something, again, that I, I was really concerned about during um, recent years is just players' ability to kind of be a little bit unorthodox because things aren't always going to turn out wonderfully and you need to, a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of invention from your attackers. And I just thought the the ease, the, the coolness to, to not panic in that moment, Nicholas Jackson. You know, he's had some of those moments so far this season. But when you look at it, he didn't play against Fulham. It's two and two for him. And he didn't start this game. And again, just composure, confidence. And it's the thing that Pochettino, you know, kept stressing. And I think I stressed as well that when you looked at just the data, it was showing that Chelsea were were playing as a team who were creating good opportunities. This looks like an attack that that can, at the very least, get into some promising positions. And you hope that if you keep doing that over a consistent period of time, the finishes will be there. You, you will create enough opportunities that you'll be able to start scoring. And I think it's a credit to Pochettino. I think it's a credit to this group of players. You know, think back to that game um, against Aston Villa. We lose it. There's a there because once again, Chelsea have, have lost and we were all kind of sat here feeling very negative. I'm not having to go at anyone feeling negative. I was feeling negative. Why wouldn't you be after that defeat? But it was just a sense we hadn't scored in a couple games. Are, you know, is the confidence of this young group of players going to start to drop? And the way they've responded with three wins, um, we're starting to see several players click in front of goal two. And you're starting to see the foundations of a starting 11, especially in the attack build for Pochettino. I think that that in itself has to be a point of optimism. And I, I also do think that going 1-0 down today, sure, it's against the promoted side. We are seeing this season the gaps between the, the, the three that came up from the Championship and the rest of the Premier League seems to be a lot wider than it has been in recent years. That's a broader topic. Uh, but still, I, you know, I, I was sat in this chair so often last season saying the problem is with this Chelsea team, they fail at the first sign of adversity. Now, Burnley away from home historically for Chelsea is a good game. You know, you just I don't think we'd ever lo- we've ever lost to Burnley in the Premier League away from home. We have lost to them at home. Uh, I think it was that Conte season, but even then, that was quite a while back. You know, we usually go to Turf Moor and score quite a few goals. It's a great ground for Chelsea. They, you know, Chelsea love going to that ground. We seem to have some of our best attacking performances of the season. It's, uh, I, I would love to play at Turf Moor every week, to be honest, because it seems like we just get a lot of joy there. And that's great. And we've kept that going. But still, you know, to be able to respond in that manner, and, and actually it turns out to be not just a 
title or kind of physical win, you know, where you're just kind of going, okay, we'll take the points and run. It turns out to be an emphatic win. You're actually walking into the international break feeling a lot more confident about Chelsea. So listen, it, it gets obviously a lot tougher after the international break. We're, we're right into a, a game against Arsenal. It's going to be one of the toughest games we've had so far this season. We're going to be playing Spurs, who obviously have had a, a brilliant start to the season. We're going to be playing Man City in that run, Brighton. All that the run up basically towards Christmas. Um, I think there's one more international break in November before that. But it obviously it starts to get intense. And there's no point in me sitting here and saying, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. But at the same time, as I keep on stressing, there has to be, given the calendar year of 2023 Chelsea have had, we've got to be happy that we've just seen our team win three games in a row and actually play some good football within that too. So I'm happy. I think you should be. Let's let's take a look at the um, the chat and and what you guys are saying. Um, uh, Nibi says, just want to say you are by far the best Chelsea content creator out there, mate. Most balanced, knowledgeable, insightful, and also grounded. Keep doing your thing. Thank you so much. That's very kind of you. Thank you for for supporting the content. Uh, Bazit says the long ball given to Mudrick in the cross uh, to Jackson Jackson should have been a goal because Jackson uh, wasted too much time. Um, should have been there, not breaking. Um, but at that moment, uh, just be quicker goal. Yeah, I do agree. That moment, that was a crossfield ball. I think it was Casado who did another crossfield ball. To he loves those crossfield balls over to the left. I don't know if it's something they've been working on in training. And I love the way Mudrick just looked so aggressive when he got the ball, and he just he took it down and he sprinted. And I think that should have been a goal. But listen, it's he did score the goal, and he and he did play well. Uh, Robert says, still a long way to go, uh, but getting better. Um, Chronic says, mate, I predict we finish higher than Spurs. I think Spurs have been very lucky. I said this earlier in the stream. I, I, I can understand where that comes from, but I know we're not supposed to give Spurs credit. And listen, this isn't a Spurs stream, obviously. You can go and find that elsewhere if for some reason you like punishing yourself by listening to Spurs fans. But, you know, I, I say that, you know, Chelsea got a little bit of luck today, but... In, in the entirety of the game, you create that luck by being a good team, by being, by putting yourselves in good areas. Um, and I think nine times out of 10, it isn't just all luck. You, you still have to be a good team. You still have to get into those areas. Um, and I, I felt that that's what Chelsea did today. Looking at the, the poll I did on, on my live chat of who was your Chelsea man of the match, Raheem Sterling, way out in front with 69%. That is not that much of a surprise, to be honest, if we, we'll be talking about Sterling. I said this in preseason. You can go back and find the video. I, I did a, a predicted lineup. And this was before we'd even signed Moises Casado. We had no idea Cole Palmer was coming in. Um, I don't even think we had played a preseason game yet. I think it was June. I, I, I hadn't even gone to Australia yet to cover the, the World Cup. I, I sort of said at the time that Sterling, I think, will play a lot more than people suspect. I think part of that was because I, I just had a confidence that Pochettino and Sterling would form a good relationship and also because Sterling is a class footballer he has been one of the best wide attackers just attackers generally in the Premier League over the past decade and I don't think that class just evaporates after one difficult season where he still scored nine goals I mean again with Raheem Sterling's kind of uh, track record especially for Man City that isn't amazing you know it isn't the peak of what Sterling could do but it still showed a productive player and I, and I I, I think what we've already seen under Pochettino with these wide players, whether that be Mudrick, Palmer, but Palmer is kind of a wide player, but he does, he is operating more as kind of a number 10 slash right winger, but 
you're just seeing the impact Pochettino is having on these wingers, that they are looking to be getting into more dangerous areas, just a, a lot more ferocious is what I'd say. They are going at the throats of the opposition. And it's just, it's refreshing to see really that it isn't like rocket science. Like you, these players can actually do things, you know, and they can actually go at their, their opposing fullback and take a man on and actually get into the box rather than, no, we'll just recycle possession, we'll go back, we'll go back, we'll go back, game over, full time, and then, you know, you just wasted 90 minutes of your life. Like, that's not where we are with Pochettino, and I think that's something to be really optimistic about. I'm just interested what you guys think. I mean, because I think he's hit on something, especially in central midfield with Fernandez, Caicedo, and Gallagher. I think, for me, that is a a combative, a nice balanced midfield with the attributes that Pochettino wants and I think is I think is creating a team that that looks to be productive. Um but then you've got that question I think in the, in the very long term if we think I know we're thinking quite far ahead here what happens when Nkunku arrives like fully at Chelsea and you've got Palmer and you've got Chukameka some big decisions, right? But that you know, that again, I I don't think I'm not I'm not complaining about that. I don't think anyone is. But I'm just I'm just curious to know what you guys think in terms of what Pochettino should do for that game against um, Arsenal. I think Reese, you want to get you want to get Reese um, into the team, obviously, because I, I think he takes up the level significantly, obviously on that right side. And I did see expected Chelsea made this point at half time. And of course, because we've won comfortably 4-1, no one's really going to be talking about it after. Sort of saying that the lack of kind of natural fullbacks kind of helping those wingers in the first half was a slight problem. Again, I think in... And to be fair, we were praising Raheem Sterling, I'm sorry, Levi Colwell, um, for his involvement. And I do think he has improved as a left back since coming into the team. I, I really do. I, I don't think that's uh, that's hyperbole. I don't want to track back on that now. But I just, I do think in the in the long term, I still do think you were going to have natural fullbacks in that area. I still think that is the, the long term kind of ambition for me, uh, for Pochettino. I think the big question will be, who is the back two? Because Thiago Silva, I mean, I think this is a serious conversation some of us need to be having did bring this up after the Aston Villa game. When you win games, you kind of, we all kind of brush over the problems, don't we? And I, listen, I understand it. I, I'm like a lot of you, you want to be positive. You want to just, but I still have my concerns about Thiago in the long term. I, I really, really do in terms of just um, that speed and, and the way Chelsea want to press up and the exciting options we've got at centre-back, young centre-backs that I guess, Right, Thiago will leave Chelsea at some point, and one of the young centre backs will take that place. Obviously, that in itself is not a radical idea. We all know that that is coming down the line. I just think it may need to happen quicker than maybe some people anticipate. But again, I want to stress, and it's, it's nuanced, right? And when you say something, people get so annoyed. It's like when I praised Mark Kukurea, um or, or criticized Kukurea, that you know, either way, people were like, you know, it's only one game or like, why don't you apologize for all the things you've said before about Kukurea? And it's like, it's, no, it's nuance. It's, it's, it's about saying that this player can do these good things, but the cost benefit analysis, my 
concern with Thiago is just that speed in the long term because we are we're playing a back four now we're not playing the back three and especially as Colwell learns left back a lot more and he's doing things that you'd expect from a fullback rather than just playing as kind of this sort of a left back but especially in those first few weeks of the season he did feel a lot more retracted to me than than he has in in recent games the question then comes do you really want Tiago exposed and how much covering can Caicedo or the midfield in front of him do that's that's of course a big question to to answer I'm interested to hear to hear your thoughts I'll go through the the the, the comments again because I did see some comments before we had the audio silence um if you're listening back on the podcast I will cut out that bit but we did lose uh, some audio for a bit um Ollie Ollie Glanville, the great Ollie Glanville. You should definitely go and follow him on Twitter. Hopefully going to have him on the show at some point. We spoke about the floodgates opening up at some stage. Feels like we played with so much freedom after half time. We still play like a youth team. We are very hard to deal with. There are shades of like the Lampard 1920 team, but I don't think for vibes wise, that's that that bad. But we're, we're going to get that. That's what we invested in. We invested in a, in a young group. To get ups and downs sometimes quite significant ups and downs but you hope in the long term this team forming together will create a better one and they'll mature together um dylan says cole palmer with a goal and assist in a game where i felt he wasn't as involved in influential as he could have been this kid will be a gem yeah i think like overall i think that you know this isn't this isn't like Palmer's best performance out of the starts he's had i felt the the previous two games especially the brighton one i still best i will i will get um i i I do want to do a video over the international break looking at palmer's influence and what he's doing uh, because i think it is very very exciting but yeah absolutely if you're if you're a player that isn't having a 10 out of 10 but you still actually impact the game significantly with a goal or an assist i mean obviously that's still brilliant like that's still that's still output um, and, and that's something that Chelsea haven't been getting from their attacking players consistently for a long time. Before I do wrap up, I'll kick myself if I don't say this. Happy Diego Day. It's, of course, Diego Costa, the great one's birthday. Um, I think it's his 35th birthday today. So it was great to see the Diego content flowing on the timeline and across the socials this morning, um, which always... And listen, because it was Diego's birthday, the vibes were there. Chelsea were going to win significantly and a striker scored as well. So... Unfortunately, it wasn't the 19 scoring. It would have been lovely if Breuer scored, but I'm happy to take the 15 with Nicholas Jackson scoring. And um, yeah, that's it really. I, I think it's it's nice now to relax, to go into the international break and think about what's going to happen in that Arsenal game. It's obviously going to be such a, a huge test for this group of players, but given where we were after the Bournemouth and Aston Villa games and the Forest game too, I, we can all look at those games and Burnley ones ago yeah Chelsea should be winning those games with the with the talent and investment we have but at the same time I think with all the questions asked about this team's ability to put the ball in the back of the net they have responded quite emphatically and and I think just at the time I speak right now Saturday the 7th of October 2023 we have to be optimistic obviously tougher tasks ahead but you hope that that kind of um the chemistry starting to build, the sense of uh, confidence flowing a little bit more can maybe produce a team that in the next few weeks can maybe surprise us a little bit and actually get some big wins. Because that's, I think that's what any Chelsea coach needs. Poch needs a big win at Stamford Bridge or away from home um, to really connect him to the crowd. It's not that I, I, I get the sense that people are against Poch or anything, but I just, 
it was one of the things that even during the lockdown when Tuchel got it um, quite early on against Spurs, it just it gives you that sense, that aura and those memories that Chelsea fans will, will look back on. That's one of the biggest problems that Graham Potter had is it took him a very long time to get one of those big wins. And um, especially in the Premier League, he I don't think he got any in the end really. Like, So you need something like that to really uh, get you favour, to prove on the biggest stage uh, against the other big rivals that you can you can win. Obviously, that's important and maybe we can get it after the international break. And I will see you again very soon. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.